for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of Busted's Open the Masters class. Today, I am your esteemed host, Bully Ray, and I am joined by my fellow Hall of Famer, Mark Henry, and one of my best friends in the entire business, Tommy Dreamer. On tap today, folks, we're going to talk about levity and comedy in pro wrestling. Pro wrestlers who were able to get themselves over and or make money in the business by being funny or by being a badass, but introducing a little bit of levity into the act, into their game, into their whole, uh, into everything that they did. I know at one time or another, all three of us have done comedy stuff or levity stuff in, in our promos or in our matches. I'm a big fan of levity, even in the most serious of matches sometimes. Mark, I see a big old smile on your face, and I think that means that you want to go first. So uh, <laughs> t- t- talk to me. Um, like, when it comes to comedy, when it comes to levity, who do you think of in, in our industry? You know what? Before I do that, I want to see if you remember this because I was such a fan and I never in my life got to take it. Me and and um, MVP had a match against you and Devon and I wanted to take the Dusties. You remember that? I was like, hey, you give me and then you give them and then I'll bump and I got cussed out. I got cussed out. I came in the back, I took the Dusties. Boom, boom. Boom, boom, bang, and I took a bump. I came to the back, and they were like, what the fuck are you doing? God damn it, they just went off on me about that. I don't know if I ever told you that, but they cussed my ass out. Did did they think that the world's strongest man should not have taken a bump for the... the, (laughs) the, They thought that. For Bubba Ray's version of of Dusty's bionic elbow? (laughs) I like how I like how both of you finger quoted they when talking about they. This. For those of you who are not watching on the simulcast, but they both finger quoted they. That means office. Office. Yeah. 
Very. I, I enjoyed, I love comedy my whole life and the history. And I watch how gorgeous George was able to do this big production and spray floor, fresh Florida air around the arena. And he wouldn't touch the ropes until they got wiped off. And uh, I was introduced to Les Kelly, a uh, famous English wrestler. Um, I, I, I don't think I ever laughed harder in my life than watching Les Kellett um, go to the ring as a drunkard, get in the ring and fall and trip through the ropes and land in the ring. And then they ring the bell and he goes to lock up and he locks up with the referee. And, and I mean, it was just, it made me feel good. And, and I felt like, oh my God, this is something. And then in the eighties, uh, I had George the Animal Steel. I mean, I had Doink the Clown. You know, like I was always entertained by those things, which leads me to talking about what I'm going to talk about. And, and, and that was the incarnation and the creation of sexual chocolate. And I went to Vince and I said, hey, um, I have this idea. I saw this movie. Uh, coming to America, and there was a guy named Sexual Chocolate, and everybody clapped and laughed, and it was kind of cool. And he was like, "Okay," and I was like, "So imagine if if I was coming to the ring and I was doing this whole Sexual Chocolate gimmick, and I was serious, and I got ready to wrestle, and then I saw a pretty lady in the front row, and I'm like winking and." Hey girl, you know, let me get your phone number. And, 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 and I always ended up losing. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, so you mean to tell me you, you want to lose? And I said, yeah, because if I win, then it's not going to be right to the guy that I'm wrestling against. I'm distracted and, and I still beat him. And he went, But the logic is there, but <laughs> that's not what we want to do with you. We invested too much in you to have you do something like that. And I was like, Mark, I don't think the word too much is accurate. I think a fuck ton is accurate. We invested a fuck ton of money in you. Not too much. <laughs> Stop it. So but, but but that's how my brain works. I wanted to entertain. I wanted to have fun. And he it took him a couple of weeks before he, before he agreed. But the first time that he put me out there and he said, all right, well, let me see it. And he saw me like take a fucking powder and go through the ropes to the barricade and I turn and I see this old woman and and that was I think that was the, the first time I wrestled in sexual chocolate was when Vince got in his mind I'm gonna do something with an old woman and that was the first time I turned and I hugged her and then I just like cut her with her and the referee came and said Mark you gotta get in the ring and I'm pushing the referee off Mark get in the ring and I'm pushing the referee off the guy that I was wrestling was Edge. Edge came and turned me around and punched me and I fed back into the ring and I took it, I, I, I lost the match. But as soon as I lost the match and I was all dejected and sad, damn it, lost the match. 
And then I just looked at the old woman and I rolled back out and I went and hugged her again. That's when Vince fell in love. I made him believe and understand what my vision was. And it took me to physically go do it, not just tell him because he saw the entertainment in sexual chocolate and he saw the value of what that could add to the show. And I was on every show. <laughs> like people can, they can say, man, you lost a hundred matches. Yeah, I lost 150 matches or so, but you know what? Every fucking Monday, my check cleared, my, my merch went up. I had never had merch before sexual chocolate. I never had merch. I got merch. It was, it was a successful venture all the way around. And people was telling me, man, they created that to, 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 for you to fail. The WWE did not create sexual chocolate. I did. Interesting. Wow. So that was your idea. You brought it to, you brought it to Vince. He ran with it. And at first he wasn't on board, but you sold it to him by what you were able to get done in the ring. Right. I had to go out and show him what I meant. And I watched so much of that as a kid that I just felt like, you know what, if I just copy what I saw in the past, I was going to be okay. And really seasoned wrestlers that I worked with as sexual chocolate, they got it. Edge, I didn't have to tell Edge, hey man, come get me. I didn't have to tell him to come get me. He did that. He saw what I was doing with the referee and was like, shit, I'm gonna work my way into this. That's what we do. And I, I mean, I'm, you know, incarnation of a character later on with the that's what I do stuff, but I've been saying that for years. Well, I think me and Tommy both can agree that uh, Sexual Chocolate was definitely an entertaining character who uh, was able to pull off uh, comedy or bits of levity. Uh, and I'm sure people listening to the master's class right now would agree also. Tommy, what about you? When it comes to levity in pro wrestling or straight up comedy, um, who were your favorites? Who do you think got over the best? Who do you think made the most money? Uh, total sidebar from Mark. Um, one of the funnier things I ever saw you talk about that guy who played a drunk while well, I wrestled with a drunk known as the Sandman and how he never locked up at the ref would have been a great spot, but his lockups were the shits anyway. Um, but one time he gets on the microphone, and he goes, I'm all out. Anyone got a B E R. And like the house is totally quiet and we're all looking around and I'm like, did you just misspell beer? <laughs> yes, he, he did. totally did, which uh, was a total 100% Sandman, which was great. We let we never let him live that down. Um, and, when I, you, and when you told him he misspelled it, he probably just went, I oh. did? <laughs> I did? Oh, okay, don't tell Scotty. Meaning <laughs> um, Raven, of course. So, listen, through the history of the business, I'm thinking about levity, and I think there's different... Uh, levels to it and, and one person that i think at times was so entertaining but it was also levity when i'm thinking about as far that i can think of was the boogie woogie man jimmy valiant you know and like how he would start his interviews or end his interviews kissing the announcer which then any great announcer would sell it 
And, you know, whether it was Bob Cottle or some, you know, whatever, or even in his matches, he'd go kiss the guy free, you know, they pause in their tracks. And then he was also an ass kicker or Dusty Rhodes was another one who'd have a lot of levity in his promos like, oh, I mean, I so pretty. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And then but you also believed he was a badass. It's so funny when you say George Animal Steel, because I watched him way earlier where he was just this crazed animal and you were terrified of him as opposed to later on with the doll and all that stuff. Um, uh, another great levity person that he was, you know, he had matches, but who was, I think, one of the best on the mic, Mean Gene Okerlund. He can sell anything and would have that comedic timing like a great comedian. Um, uh, for me, money-wise, and I always say this too, like gimmicks are short-lived. Like Sexual Chocolate Mark had a short lifespan and you were blessed to be able to have other opportunities. But I always say gimmicks are short-lived, but guys who can work or gimmicks that can work will last forever. And if you came back today as Sexual Chocolate, the place would go insane for that throwback uh, type of stuff that you did. But I mean, modern day, I would say Orange Cassidy was uh, levity. Our truth was a lot of levity, but yet both great workers. Um, for this topic, I would say for the biggest money makers, I would say DX, both versions, because they did a lot of comedy. Um, and I say this to another person that used a lot of levity, The Rock, Steve Austin. They had such great comedic timing, drew, you know, the biggest performers of all time. But Steve Austin's known so much more as an ass kicker. The Rock is the most entertaining, you know, person in sports entertainment, but he used a lot of levity. And, um, but there was also a very, very serious side to both those guys. But DX, man, total, when they were baby faces, that's all like you would wait and Mark and Bully, you were there you would wait on television to see what they're going to say, what they're going to do, who they're going to make fun of all yeah. these di things that they were going to come out with, whether it was Sean and Hunter, or then when it was the version of Hunter with the new age outlaws, X-Pac, like they just did nonstop, you know, comedy. It was a different type of comedy. It was more in your face. But I mean, I remember, you know, if you think about the heat uh, of, you know, Sean putting the Canadian flag up his nose and like acting like he can't get out of it. It's funny, but it's also so disrespectful for what DX was. Um, or the time when Sergeant Slaughter was the commissioner and Sarge had like, you know, when he's talking and he's spitting and then they put the windshield wiper things, which now are COVID repellents. Uh, uh, so they were ahead of their time with all that stuff. Uh, the, the sexual innuendos, which now you can't even say or get away with on television. You know, the whole thing with the sausage, um, uh, all the parody that they did in the ring. They also did a lot of comedy spots. I mean, you could go and find them spots with, you know, Earl Hebner pushing them or, or like selling them. When it was time to be ass kickers or get their asses kicked, they did it. But they used a lot of comedy in their act. And at that time, it was right place, right time, because it was different. And it really was a pivotal part of the entire Attitude Era.
you, you talked about Earl Hebner in that push spot. I mean, that would never work today. I mean, uh, let me take that back. It would work today in pro wrestling, but they would never stand for it in the WWE. And I'll, I, I, I won't forget it because, you know, uh, it was, we were on a house show because it was the Dudleys and the Rock teaming with Hunter uh road dog and x-pac and hunter got in earl hebner's face and earl hebner shoved hunter down and started putting the boots to him and the place went crazy and that stuff still works um it's just that i think we've gotten away from from some of it uh today there's also another great piece of that was china she was the straight person and just you know that mean mugging face to all the comments, which made her even bigger that at times it was almost like they tried to pop her another gimmick that could work the acclaimed. And, you know, going from that, you know, when I said like the acclaimed to the new DX uh, new age outlaws, and they have Billy Gunn being a part of it, Billy as angry and mean mugging as Billy always is in real life, Billy, the character, uh, like, there's just little things that he does, these little nuances that really got the whole scissor me daddy over in that whole craze. Um, when it came to comedy or levity, uh, I I went a little bit of a different direction. I went with some lesser known names that personally always would pop me when I saw them out there. They really entertained me <clears throat> and I garnered a new appreciation for them. But I remember as a kid, um, you want to talk about two guys that were, were were badasses in my eyes were Don Morocco and Mr. Fuji. I mean, I grew up on <laughs> Fuji. Fu- exactly. I grew up on Fuji and Saito. It's one of the, you know, one of the best heel tag teams that ever existed. And, you know, obviously Don Morocco, Magnificent Morocco, one of the best intercontinental champions that there ever was. And these serious wrestlers did something on Tuesday Night Titans called Fuji Vice. And if you've never seen it before, I encourage you to go to the WWE Network and check it out because it's so entertaining. It's it's hard to and in just that Tuesday Night Titans show. And you talked about me and Gene, you know, earlier, Tommy, you know, Vince was the host of Tuesday Night Titans. And, you know, uh, Lord Alfred Hayes was on that. Mean Gene was probably on that, too. And Bobby I the Brain would. Heenan. These guys were so funny. And to hear them talking back in the day, they would throw lingo in there and they would use some, you know, uh, you know, insider, you know, um, terminology that nobody knew back then except the boys. So it was like they were trying to pop the boys. Um, I told you at the beginning of the master's class, I love to incorporate a little bit of levity into everything that we did. I mean, the what's up spot. Um, you know, Devon jumping off the top rope, headbutting a guy in the balls, but people loved it. And it was an entertaining spot that always got a good laugh. So in the seriousness of our act of everything that we did, you know, whether it was the 3D or the tables or just, you know, you know, kicking ass, there was a moment in time where you were entertained uh, within the body of the match. So the, the what's up spot was always levity. One of the things that I always want to incorporate into a match my whole life was lightsabers. And me and Tommy wrestled in the Hammerstein ballroom against one of the most serious tag teams out there today in the Briscoe brothers This is when we're in ring of honor. And this was like a really serious match. And I remember putting the match together all day long. And, you know, the Briscoes were so excited to wrestle me and Tommy in New York sold out um, Hammerstein ballroom. And they were like, we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. 
uh, you know, we can, you know, all these things that they wanted to do. And me and Tommy are like, okay, yep, okay, okay, okay. And then I told them, all right. And then at a certain part of the match, being gonna, me and Tommy are going to go into the ring and we're going to pull out lightsabers. And you had to see the look on Jay and Mark Briscoe's faces when we told them we were going to pull out lightsabers. They were in shock. And they're so respectful but they didn't want to do the spot and to watch them, the looks on their faces where they're kind of like, ah, uh, uh, really, Bubba, you lightsabers? Ah, well, wow. Ooh, but they didn't want to say no. And we incorporated the lightsabers because I think it was the, uh, the opening night of one of the new Star Wars movies. And yeah. when we pulled out the lightsabers, I mean, the place went crazy. It got a huge pop and it worked and it was just enough levity um to make the match even more entertaining but i came up with three names that never went on to make big big money in the business but to me always entertained me and that was santino i'll never forget santino and the milan miracle anytime santino came to the ring and he did the what was it with the snake what was it called the cobra uh, yeah the cobra I, I, I all the time yep chop <laughs> bang the Cobra was so entertaining and anything so that Santino over. did was entertaining and always got a great reaction out of me. Here's another name that people might not know, but Grado. Grado was such an entertaining yeah. guy when he went to the ring. He, he played the foil so well. I mean, he looked like <laughs> he looked like this, you know, this dumpy, milky, very, you know, uh, you know, out of shape wrestler who could go out there and just get over by making you laugh. He could be in the ring with the most serious of serious wrestlers, but somehow find a way to steal the spotlight with his, um, with his comedic timing. And then the last guy I had was Rockstar Spud, um, who um, just loved the guy to death. And anytime he was out there, he just, he made me laugh. I, I was lucky enough to share the ring with him a couple of times, tag with him a couple of times, and I just thought that he was he was funny um, as as hell. So those were the guys for uh, for me. What do you got, Mark? Well, you you brought up Santino. Santino was riding with me, and it was the third week. Yeah, it was the third week of him being uh, after the Cobra had debuted. And they decided they were going to make little Cobra merch, you know, where you can buy the, the Cobra. Santino's words, not mine. I'm not making, I'm not just giving you some bullshit. He told me in the car, he said, man, they made 50,000 of the Cobras and they sold them in two nights. They ended up ordering another 200,000. They sold them in a week. He said that his first royalty check was more than what he made the entire calendar year wrestling. Yeah. They were selling those little sock puppet things for $12. And he sold over a half million of those. You do the math. The dude cleaned the hell up. Those merch checks were nice. 
you know, I only got I only got a few merch checks because I I was always the bad guy, so I never got to be the bullet rain. <laughs> Our merch checks were were were, were okay. I mean, I, I told the story one time is uh, I, I was sitting with Matt and Jeff Hardy and so they handed them their merchandise checks one day and they opened them up and they looked at them and the way they were holding up the check, I couldn't see the number, but the light was reflecting through the check and I saw six digits. They were being yeah. handed merch checks for six digits. I was like, holy shit. Like, Devon, we got to start selling some t-shirts. Turn, turn baby face. <laughs> Hey, uh, just talking this kind of wrap, wrap it up. I'm also thinking of like people with in this business, when we say you got to have the it factor, got to deal with every type of like, you know, promo personality, other people who used comedy that you wouldn't suspect as well as got over Kurt Angle. Yeah. Mick Foley. Yeah. Mick Foley, because we're talking about, you know, the Cobra, but Sako was before the Cobra. Also, that whole thing when Vince was in the hospital, um, Mick ha has great comedic timing as well as, you know, you know, his comedy shows and another person you never would associate with. But if you really think about it, Kane, how much Kane's comedic timing he had and like the whole hell no era. Um, the even promo like, that Kane did with Hulk and The Rock. Yeah, man. Um, and, and to me, the greatest of all time comedy, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, especially with when he had Gorilla Monsoon be his guy. But I think greatest comedy timing would be uh, Bobby Heenan. Good stuff, hey, guys. Good stuff, guys. Uh, what a hell of a, this is a hell of a show right here. And it made me feel good. Sometimes we have a master's class and I, I, I feel fired up and angry because I want guys to get it. And I hope that y'all give, I'm going to give you a little Dave LaGreca rant fired up. Damn it, guys, you can make money and have a good time in this pro wrestling business by doing something fun. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Busted Opens Masters Class. Let's keep the conversation going. Who is your favorite wrestler who did comedy or used levity? Uh, chime in on the old uh, Twitter machine at Busted Open Radio. Myself, Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer, Mark Henry, Dave LaGreca. Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of Busted Open's The Masters Class. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream the podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Takeover Taco Night. 
no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great.